Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Awardner. And in this episode, I'm joined by Kate Atkin, who is a facilitator, speaker, and researcher on imposter syndrome. Now, imposter syndrome is something that has come up time and time again in the Facebook group for the podcast and, and also on other episodes. And I've been hunting for the right guest to come on the show and talk about it in a way that will be helpful and add value to you, my most excellent listeners. And boy, did I find that guest in Kate Atkin. And I found Kate via a research paper or a survey um, via totaljobs.com on imposter phenomenon. And she was one of the contributors and had taken part in the research. And she very graciously said that she would come on the show to talk about it in more detail and answer some questions. So not only does Kate really explain what imposter syndrome or indeed imposter phenomenon, which is the correct description, is, she also offers some really interesting insights into what can cause it, how to navigate your way through it, and why you shouldn't feel terrible about feeling it in the first place. On top of that, Kate also gives some fantastic advice about how to manage and help the people you think may be struggling with it, whether that's in work or in a social environment. Now, I do strive to get the best guests on the show, but that doesn't always guarantee a face-to-face recording. And in this instance, because of schedules and location, Kate and I recorded via Skype. And as you'll hear, it's a bit crackly because the connection wasn't as brilliant as I would have hoped. I hope you can forgive the less than perfect audio, but I do think Kate's contribution to the show is unmissable. I genuinely love chatting to her. I found her insights incredibly useful and I'll think they'll be helpful to anyone listening too. I have tried to tinker with the audio. I, uh took to it like Rodney Jerkins on some software, you know, some audio software to try and sort out the levels. So it's not that it's quiet, but it sounds like what it is. It sounds like an internet call. I apologize. I'd rather do that than and get the best possible guest than get a face-to-face with someone who might not add as much value. Eek. Sorry, that's how I feel about it. I will, of course, put the links to everything we discuss in the show notes, and I really hope you find this episode helpful. Here she is, Kate Atkin, talking all things imposter phenomenon on The Emma Gunn Show. Kate Atkin, I'm so delighted to have you on the podcast to talk about the subject of imposter phenomenon. This is just such a delight. You are a facilitator, you are a speaker, you're a researcher... And one might say an expert in in imposter phenomenon, correct? Yes, and as uh, <laughs> whenever we talk about this imposter phenomenon subject, my own little imposter chatter can creep in and say, "Should I really say expert?" So I have, I know a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Should we just leave? It? Yeah. <laughs> and when you say a lot about it, you research a lot, and you are researching it at PhD level. You have a master's in it, so it's not it's not just a, a an interest on Google. <laughs> it's like the real deal. Not just an interest in reading blog posts and, and generally sort of getting a gut feel to it. So absolutely a more in-depth, rigorous element of research linked to the imposter phenomenon and also personal experience. So my, my own chatter over the years is what's fueled that particular interest. OK, so I, which is a brilliant point at which to begin. And I think um, I have always thought about imposter syndrome And then I read, the reason I got in touch with you is because I read the piece on imposter phenomenon on total jobs and was really fascinated that actually it it is now called imposter phenomenon and not imposter syndrome. Why is that? 
Well, you say now called imposter phenomenon and not imposter syndrome. It was originally called imposter phenomenon. And Clance and Dimes, the two researchers in 1978 in the US, decided they noticed this internal feeling of intellectual phoniness amongst women at that point that they were working with in academia. And they they noticed it's not a constant. So... They, they noticed and observed that people were starting to talk about themselves feeling a little bit fraudulent at times and some people have more intense experiences of this particular thought process and emotional reaction to, to situations than others. So a phenomenon is an occurrence at certain points in time. Mm. With individuals, it's not a constant and a syndrome tends to denote something that's much more um, in the realms of pathology. It's it's often linked to a mental health condition if you think of imposter syndrome, but mm. actually it isn't. So technically and correctly, it should be called imposter phenomenon. Right. Syndrome from an ease of saying it, syndrome is far easier than phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And from uh, a, a number of characters when you write it, I think in this world on the digital age, then imposter the hashtag is a much easier one to type out than mm-hmm. imposter phenomenon. So it, it should be a phenomenon, but everybody is now really referring it to as a syndrome. Okay, so that's really interesting. So what, ultimately, is there a way of wrapping it up in a nutshell and explaining exactly what it is? So it is an internal feeling of phoniness. It's an internal experience of angst of when are they going to find me out when are they going to realize that actually what everybody sees on the outside is a bit of a a fake is a mask that i'm wearing to the outside world because inside if only they knew the angst the flutters um the butterflies the stress um if only they knew that actually i can't do x but i can do y um so it's an internal thing so actually summarizing it and, and the key part of this is the internal experience is actually incorrect in many ways because it's despite the external evidence of success right okay so because when I started researching it and really beginning to unpick it I thought well I would say that quite I've had conversations with people where there's a similarity between this and self-doubt or with feelings of anxiety in the workplace or anxiety in relationships but it's not it's not as it's not the same thing as self-doubt or just low self-worth it's it's its own particular thing absolutely right? yeah totally right and that's a really good point to make because self-doubt is totally natural when you're doing something for the first time and you're going oh i wonder if i can do it you know i wonder if it's going to be successful that's a normal experience and even if you're doing it for the second or third time but the imposter style self-doubt is when you've got evidence of success and actually in, in many ways the more successful you are the more this internal oh my goodness can i live up to the expectations mm. happens so the more the louder the imposter chatter can sometimes come because it's interesting it's where people have not internalized their success it's where for some reason we've managed to put the success down to an external experience or or luck or they were being kind to me rather than yes do you know what i am good at this Mm. that yeah so actually it is its own thing and it's It's, and it's it's, it can be debilitating Absolutely. And they term it, it's a different psychological construct. It's different from self-esteem. And one of the other interesting things oh. is it's also different from self-confidence. So you can, as a person, we're, we're all complex human beings. And, and, and the fact that we can hold the happiness and the sadness at the same time, we can actually hold this, this internal feeling of self-doubt, the imposter chatter, and yet know intellectually that we're capable of doing it. Mm. You know, so we can have a a dilemma in ourselves as well and we can know self-esteem is i am worthy Mm. self-confidence is the i believe i have the tools to do this task and the imposter chatter is oh my goodness but what if what if they find me out what if what if this time it doesn't go right so different levels but they're different psychological constructs yes i really like that so self-worth is i am worthy or is that self-esteem can we just Sorry, say those again? Because I thought they were fascinating. Self-esteem, sort of yeah, self-esteem I am worthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, self-doubt, the, the normal angst if you're doing something for the first time. Mm-hmm. Self-confidence is the, I've got the capacity to do this. I believe I can succeed at this particular given task. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the imposter chatter 
is, oh my goodness, but what if I don't? What if they find me out this time? Mm-hmm. So there's, we can all we can have all of that in the in the, in the same bundle as the, as an individual. Yeah, and I think as well it sort of feeds into the conversations I've had previously on this podcast with people who are experiencing anxiety, for example, who say things like, "I'm worried about being late because I'm worried about getting into trouble. I'm worried about the other person being cross with me." And mm. I feel like when I read up on imposter phenomenon, I think of a similar thing of you're doing your best, but, he, but you're worried that your best isn't going to be good enough and that people are going to perceive something very bad about what you've attempted to do. Yeah. So there is a link from in the research. There is definitely a link between the imposter phenomenon and chatter and levels of anxiety. Mm. But if you experience the imposter phenomenon chatter, as I said, the phenomenon, some people experience it just lightly and some people have really intense experiences. And the intense experiences can be absolutely crippling. And some Mm. of the behaviours that link to that can lead to. A, a, a mental health condition of extreme anxiety yeah. or for instance burnout because you're putting so much effort into making sure that you don't get found out that you overwork the thing and you spend way too much time and energy far more than is necessary on it now you said also at the top that the original uh, the, the first set of research on this uh, tended to think that it was something that only affected women which actually has been proven to be untrue yes but Again, when I uh, posed the question in the Facebook group for the podcast, a lot of people came back and actually said, is this just a female thing? Why don't men have it? It's because what we put out on the outside is something that we don't necessarily unpeel and let people know we're experiencing the imposter chatter. Mm. Anecdotally, when I talk to both mixed, mixed audiences, men and women, uh, I have women will tend to come back to me and say, oh, that's so me. And men will go, yeah, doesn't everybody get that? So Mm. the projection is slightly different from a a, a normal anecdotal conversations that I have with with both men and women. Um, But the academic research definitely shows that men and women experience this in pretty much it's not quite 50-50, but it's pretty much 50-50. Some research that you'll come across says, oh, men experience it slightly more in this particular situation. And in this particular piece of research, women experience it slightly more. Mm. So I'm going to go for, generally speaking, men and women experience it equally. But what we do with that experience, I think, is different. Mm. And, And that's some of the challenges. So women tend to perhaps open up to other women and then they get confirmation rather than rather than um support in helping overcome it it almost confirms yeah me too you know this imposter chatter kicks in and and you Uh. experience that rather than helping people overcome it Um, and men somehow potentially seem to just go through it going well yeah if i get it everybody gets it i'll just i'll just plow on right so that might be why the perceptions are different yeah because of how one pro- because of how an individual processes it and yeah and we see somebody on the outside looking extremely capable extremely confident extremely competent too at what they're doing mm. and we don't think that they might for one moment be feeling like an imposter on the inside um, but yeah research definitely shows that that you do men men and women will get that feeling and the more successful you are the more likely you are to have it and success means in whatever fields you determine that success as being it could be success in in motherhood it could be success in parenting if we take obviously chaps into the into the equation it could be success in in some level of community role and of course it can be success at work what about in relationships, whether it be uh, romantic relationships or friendships? I've had some really interesting discussions with people and also interestingly experienced one, one of the thoughts myself about friendships in particular. Mm. And um, it's sort of, why do they want to be friends with me? And that's the imposter chatter. You know, who am I? You know, mm. I, I don't know all of this stuff. They're, they're amazing at this, whatever that might happen to be. And, and for me, it's uh, friends of mine that are very, they're very well read. They have, um, they, they belong to book clubs. I don't have the time to belong to a book club. So mm. <laughs> well read in a particular narrow sphere, but it's not that broad. And um, I said, oh gosh, why do they want to be friends with me? And, and I, when I say that to people, they have the same experiences. In romantic relationships, there is an interesting piece of research i can't name the the actual researchers off the top of my head Mm. but there was something about being in a a strong romantic relationship can help people overcome their imposter chatter if you've got 
that support from someone um, that's in your corner. Interesting. So, so a, a, a second person, an outside person, can help you overcome it. Can you overcome it yourself? Without any external help or support? <laughs> I don't think anybody is without any external help or support. I think that's an interesting question, Emma. But but I find that even if I wanted to work on it myself on my own, I'm going to end up having a chat with my best friend or mm. um, somebody somewhere is going to be in a, in a term of conversation about it. And... I think we're always better if we talk about the internal stuff on the outside. Mm. If we open up with what's going on, I think it's much healthier, whether it is a a more extreme level of mental health condition with, let's say, anxiety or depression or anything else that we might be experiencing. But equally, if it's something that's much lighter on the imposter chatter, I do think we're just it's just healthier to talk about it. And that's been shown to be one of the ways to help people overcome it is to have a conversation about this is what I'm feeling on the inside. And it's not it's going to get it's not going to get validated. It's going to get sometimes somebody will say, oh, no, that's that what you surely not. And and in some ways that can make it worse. Mm. Um, And in some ways we can actually understand what somebody else is is how somebody else views us but i think to overcome it yourself i think to look and read up more about it to um not just read the blogs but read read some more in-depth articles have some uh watch a few videos that are not just the general chat about the imposter chatter for yourself it's not just the online oh yeah i've a celebrity talking about their own imposter syndrome Mm. it needs to be a bit more in depth than that to help you overcome it if you're going to work on it yourself i think right that's really interesting and very useful because obviously one of the things we want people to come away from this is right if i i feel that this is me the way kate's described it definitely is something i have to work on at least now people know well it's not necessarily going to be the easiest thing to do on your own. Now, um, one of the things is that uh, imposter syndrome is about how we see ourselves and about how we perceive other people seeing us. What Mm. about the role of how we see others? In imposter syndrome, is it quite common to put other people on a pedestal and assume that they are gliding through life with no issue and that compounds the problem internally? That's a good question. And I, I, if I go back to the research that I know of at this point in time, nothing is springing to mind to say that that's specifically what happens in the imposter syndrome. There's definitely something that I think we, we are all susceptible to and that it's incorrect to do. Mm. And we tend to compare ourselves to other people. It's a natural thing, particularly now with the world of social media, particularly now with what people are putting out there into the big wide world. And we put out our best faces more often than not. Mm. And we tend to compare ourselves to other people's best faces. And we do that comparison by looking at ourselves to others. And we can always, however good you are, you can always find somebody who's better than you, prettier than you, wealthier than you, whatever it might happen to be that you are measuring yourself by. Mm. However, what the healthiest and best thing to do is to start comparing yourself to yourself is to start looking at what have i learned in the last week or how have i how have i overcome my extreme imposter chatter from last year to now just having it light imposter chatter now Mm. It, it might be that sort of comparison that you can work on doing and i absolutely think comparing yourself to yourself is the best way that's genius that i mean that's the obvious it makes such perfect sense it does, but we don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's something that is so much better. And and if you're going to look at, as you said, if somebody listening to this now wants to start to, and I think about tackling their own imposter, I think sometimes it's it's understanding rather than tackling. I think if we aim to tackle something or fight it or we suffer it, I think there's too much fight involved. I think mm. it's much healthier if we're going, I want to understand my imposter chatter and I want to listen to where it's coming from. And there is some childhood experiences that, that will have triggered perhaps some of that as well for some people and it's we'll not perhaps get into where does it come from and what what's it triggered by but i'm thinking if, if we wanted to do that we need to also look at then okay let me keep perhaps it's a diary or uh, a, a, a one to five scale for yourself or whatever challenge it might happen to be and how you're experiencing it and do some reflection back mm. afterwards over time that will help that happen when I've been doing my research, one of the questions that, that popped up in my head um, 
was about helicopter parenting and whether that's making it more uh, prevalent. I'm not a parent and I'm not judging parenting, <laughs> but obviously you read lots of things online about how we're molly coddling our kids too much. And I wondered whether this idea that, you know, everyone on sports day gets a medal regardless of whether you come first or last, whether that contributes to imposter syndrome in adulthood. Yeah, there's there's definitely two styles of parenting that contribute to to that, uh, the imposter in, in adulthood and also in, in elements of whether it's adolescence or early, early 20s, when we're still sort of formulating ourselves as adults. And one is definitely the style that you've termed there. It's where everybody gets a, a medal for taking part, the encouragement of, oh, there you go, darling, you can do anything you want to. Mm. And when you then find that you don't get the internship or you don't get the grades that you wanted for the university you'd applied for or you don't get the first job that you had put yourself forward for, those things can really start to go, oh, my goodness, you know, maybe maybe I'm not as good as I've been told. Maybe I'm not that person that I thought I was. So absolutely, that style of parenting can kick it in. Mm. There is another style, which is the hypercritical parent. It's the one that really intends their children to be the best they can possibly be. And there's a lovely phrase that's used quite often in um, primary schools these days, and now we're entering into the business world of when you give somebody feedback, you tell them what went well, and you tell them even better if, which is a fantastic way of giving developmental feedback. Mm. And there is a big however coming because <laughs> what comes with that is if you always do, you were great at this, but if you did, it'd be even better if you did that or, you know, that was fantastic, but it would be even better if it was changed in this way. If you consistently do the buts and howevers, even better ifs, that person doesn't believe they can be okay as they are. And they right. may be thinking, I've got to be perfect to be loved. And I'm not perfect now, therefore, perhaps I'm not worthy. Um, so there's, there's sort of little dimensions of other ways in which parenting from the intention is great, mm -hmm. but the impact isn't. So the best thing to do, because obviously there'll be some people listening to this, that unlike you and me, they are parents and, and they do want to know, so what do I do now with my child? Mm. Um, the point is to say, give them some feedback where they're going to be great just as they are. Mm -hmm. Give them some feedback where the hard work is recognized. So it's not about them as an individual. It's they've put the work and the effort in. Give them some feedback where, yes, encourage them to, to be who they want to be and give them some feedback on even better if. But don't do one only. Mm -hmm. Mix it up. That's the important thing, the cocktail of feedback. <laughs> um, one thing that has come out as well in this conversation already is, is the fact that um, imposter syndrome affects high achievers. Yeah. Which I, I guess when I started reading the report, I w was actually quite shocked as I went down. And I could understand uh, women on a board of executives feeling imposter syndrome because that's relatively new. Um in some industries and then the example of male midwives was used as well and I thought well that also makes sense because you're a minority and obviously the report also says that um, whenever a person feels like they're in a minority at work imposter feelings are especially likely to grow um, but I was was really shocked that it really does go up to the highest levels of management as well. Mm. Mm. Yes, it does. And and there was an article, I'm trying to think whether it was Harvard Business Review, I think it was, who, the number one fear of chief execs is that they're going to be found out. This was about 2015. Wow. And yeah, it is. Wow. These people are at the top of their game and they're still going, oh God, what if I, what if mm. I get found out not to be good enough? So absolutely, it, 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 does, it doesn't have... Um, it doesn't have a boundary, these imposter chatter. It leaps it leaps across whether you're a celebrity or whether you're not. It, it doesn't matter, really. And when we talk about success, one of the things is it's about it's about the success of, that's different from what you perhaps expected to do when you were growing up. Mm. And if you've left the area that you grew up in and gone and forged a career for yourself somewhere else, if you've moved into management where actually you were only ever only ever expected I'm, I'm doing little inverted quotes in my fingers now <laughs> but only ever expected to be a um a junior within an organization um if you've moved beyond the boundaries of your upbringing's expectations 
that's a level of success. It doesn't matter what that boundary was and it doesn't matter where you've moved, but that level of success can be, oh my goodness, you know, I've, I've left behind what was expected. So do I fit in the here and now? Mm. Do I belong with where I'm at? And that's where this imposter chatter, the questioning can start to come in. Mm. Where does ambition fit into all of this? What if you're wildly ambitious? Um, can you still suffer from imposter phenomenon? Now, I'll pick up on the suffer from. I use experience. Experience, <laughs> sorry. Because, again, we're not medicalising it. But as soon as you use suffer, we tend to think, oh, gosh, that's a bit of a medical thing. No, you're um, right. Your vocabulary is so, so important, and we will come on to that next. Wildly ambitious. Now, there is something that I think is quite a fun one to look at, which is the opposite of the imposter phenomenon. So if you've got a... Um, perception of your ability and actual ability on a, a, a double two axis graph mm-hmm. and you've got high actual ability but low perception mm-hmm. of your ability that's where the imposter phenomenon is but if you've got high perception of your ability and low actual ability mm-hmm. that's where something called the Dunning-Kruger effect kicks in and uh, named after two psychologists, which always amuses me that they've named this one after themselves. But the Dunning-Kruger, <laughs> the Dunning-Kruger effect is where the person believes they can do something regardless of any external evidence to the contrary. So ambition initially perhaps is sometimes with somebody having the, do you know what, I want to do this. And they've got no evidence that they can. They've got no understanding. And actually over time they might shift to, I can do this because I've now got the experience. Um, I'm certainly not saying that everybody who's ambitious has the Dunning-Kruger effect, but it is an interesting question. And if I'm going to say the honest answer of academic research, I don't know what strong links there are to high levels of ambition versus imposter phenomenon. Mm. But I think if we've, if we've ambitious and we've worked hard, we've got the actual ability, but we need to get our perception matching up. So actually, the graph that we want we don't want a top corner on the top left and we don't want a bottom right hand corner we want a graph that matches up down the middle we want something that says my actual ability matches up with my perception of my ability we need to be ambitious but know what we can do understand our limitations but also work on those and say actually i'm not going to let those hold me back i'm going to move forward so can somebody avoid the experience of imposter phenomenon if they take a step back and get to and really understand who they are I without think, measuring? Yeah, I think there's a level of you can avoid it. Mm-hmm. I think it's having a healthy sense of yourself, mm. um, a healthy sense of yourself and the feedback that other people give you. But don't dismiss it. Don't go, oh, yeah, they're just being mm. kind or they're just being nice to me or they're just saying that. Or oh, it was nothing. It wasn't me. It was the team. Um, the feedback that you get from others, we need to let in rather than go, oh, but. Mm. Um, and everybody needs to have some element of just going, thank you, but actually letting it in on the inside as well, because the imposter phenomenon chatter definitely kicks in when people have not internalized the successes. Right. Because, again, in this report, something that really stood out for me was uh, the line that says, understanding imposter phenomenon early on in your career can help you avoid it. So we've talked about measure against yourself, try not to measure too much externally, let the compliments in or let the praise and uh, the feedback in and accept the thank you and what have you. So to that point, how, what kind of vocabulary, coming onto the point we talked about a second ago, would an imposter use like could I spot it in someone else and can I spot it in myself just by the words that I'm using to describe my achievements I think that is the definitely a clues in both vocabulary and micro behaviors so small visual clues as well so vocabulary wise the oh it was nothing um I'm just a it's only I'm, I'm just doing my job um And those sorts of vocabulary language, if you're putting down successes to the team all of the time and not talking about what you are good at. Mm. um, So listening out for some of that. And then micro behaviors wise is look for people who don't like to make eye contact when there's praise being given, for instance. Mm. Look for people who perhaps shrink and shrug their shoulders. Um, 
and grimace very slightly, but then put the smile on their face. So it's tiny little fleeting glimpses you might see on the outside of someone. And then it's being gentle with them, because if you're looking at somebody else and want to call it out in them, it's like, ah, what did you do that for? I, I spotted you grimace at that particular point. You know, that's not helpful. But actually saying, I noticed that you didn't make eye contact or that you made a facial expression there. Tell me what was going on on the inside. Mm. And, oh, well, um, it was, it was uh, I, I just feel uncomfortable accepting praise. You might find somebody will stutter and say something like that. Okay, so let me help explore why that might be. Mm. And the praise that I'm giving you is valid because... So it's actually helping people understand why that feedback is being given mm. and why you think they are good at it. And so if, you, if it's yourself and you're experiencing it, it's maybe we need to also be better at asking for some explanations in. So you've given me this piece of feedback and told me that that report was excellent, but I don't understand what I did to make it excellent. Can you help me? Mm. So I it next time we need to be braver i think in actually asking for more specific feedback because feedback is often very poorly given i mean i have i have a lot of personal stuff now that i'm trying not to project onto it because majority of my career has been in the media and um i'm i know that a lot of people who were in senior positions above me were struggling with imposter syndrome because we've since had the phenomenon which is and we've had those conversations since so I'm thinking, had I gone to them and said, why was that uh, feature interview I did with so-and-so so pleasing? Why did you enjoy it so much? I might have stressed them out by asking them to explain why they liked it because I, was, I might be triggering their sense of, well, I don't know as if I can feel I can give you feedback. Do, do, do you see what I mean? Yes, yes. Yeah, there is, there is that. And I think it's a bit about how we ask for it. Mm. And, and it's about helping me to understand what I've done well so I can repeat it next time. Right. You know, it's that sort of question rather than, hey, tell me how great I am. <laughs> that's, that's not good. Um, but, but it is understanding how, how, what knowledge, skills and abilities, I come back to this, knowledge, skills and abilities, what, what did I use that helped that be a success? What strengths do you see in me? And it might be against the piece of feedback that you get, but actually if you've got somebody that's a manager of, of yourself, and I'm sure some of these folks listening will be both employed and, and self-employed, but mm. if you've got someone who is in that form of giving you feedback on a more consistent basis as a manager, then getting a relationship with them so they can talk to you about your strengths would also help you as an individual. Mm. And if you flip the coin, talking to other people about their strengths, what you see they are good at. Mm. I feel like when you're talking about imposter phenomenon, it, quite, it requires kindness in, from other people in order to diminish it. Emma, I am so glad you've used that word. Uh, it, it, there's a, when I do my talks, I tend to use the hashtag of be kind mm. because it's, there's two things of kindness. There's be kind to other people in understanding what they might be experiencing. But the other flip side of that kindness, and it's such an underrated quality and so, so important, is we need to be kinder to ourselves. Mm. We need to have more self-compassion and non-judgmental and we live in a it feels like we live in a very judgmental world because something is put out like this is going to be listened to and it's going to be judged by someone mm. and there's something about we need to listen with compassion we need to listen with kindness but we also need to do that to ourselves if if i fluff over a word i've just not got to stew over it it might just happen mm. and that's the way of the world yeah because i think you you saying uh, perhaps the feedback you might give to someone saying, oh, I noticed that you, you maybe felt a bit uncomfortable when you were receiving that praise. I noticed that actually you dropped eye contact. That's a lot of kindness. I, I've worked in a very competitive industry where if you show a sign of weakness, then, you know, you're going to have footprints on your back. I'm making a very broad stroke there, listeners. It's not as bad as all that. But I'm just, it's the reality of some competitive environments so I, I think it's uh, I think it's wonderful to actually say that one of the most important qualities in the workplace is kindness I've definitely mm. been guilty of not being kind because I'm like well because I've got to get on and I don't have time and blah. so I, yeah. I think it's important mm. to really flag it up Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, too, because when we look at what's happening and, and I mean, we're not talking about a mental health condition, but when you talk about what's happening, what's being put out there from um, sports personalities now, 
the idea of being kind, being able to open, let people open up about what's going on on the inside is just so important. Mm. And in business, if you've got a business that has kindness at its heart, it doesn't mean it's soft. Mm. Now, that's the other aspect. We tend to think of kindness as being soft and fluffy. You can be... Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Kind, but you can be firm. You can give developmental feedback. You can have tough conversations. You can look at performance management. But it's all with that under level of actually I'm doing this because I care about the individual mm. and caring about the individuals means that in many ways there's, there's a level of the profits take care of themselves. Mm. It's a really I, I'm really glad that we've covered kindness because I think it is vital. And also when we get to the Facebook group, you'll see that a lot of people are um, wanting to figure out a way to help people they know are going through imposter phenomenon. So it's mm. uh, interesting that that's obviously one of the solutions now. Um Let's talk about when it gets to an extreme, because I think uh, we talk about things like stress, burnout, anxiety and depression. We understand that more and more people are going through them. And actually, imposter phenomenon can be a starting point for some of those issues. Is that would you say that's a fair deduction? Yeah, I would. I would. And it, it might not be the whole the whole. Thing. But yes, there's certainly it's part of the mix, the mm. imposter chatter that goes in. And the there's there's elements of um, I'm trying to think about what to bring in here, but self handicapping behaviors without getting too complex on it. Uh, this desire for perfection is. Um, I think mean, there's a level of it's laudable because we, we like to get things right, but there's also a level of nobody can be perfect so we need to recognize that there's a certain element of good style perfectionism and then what's called maladaptive perfectionism so we can be really aiming for something but when we want to get it too right we are then missing a trick of letting up on ourselves of we overwork it we run that risk of burnout mm. when we're seeking that level of, of perfectionism and another aspect of it in self-handicapping behaviors then is procrastination mm. so we we then delay doing something until the last minute because we've skewed over how we should do it or whether we can do it whatever it might be and then at the very last minute you put something out there and it's not as good as you'd like it to be mm. and so then the the self-handicapping thing is well you can blame the last minute oh well i had to do it at the last minute rush mm. so you put the blame on the failures the external thing at that point mm. uh, does that help answer that particular question yes, yes. A bit, i feel at that point <laughs> no no because i do think well, it's very easy to, to say oh to say i have symptoms of anxiety or i have symptoms of depression but I think the crucial thing in then moving forward from that point is understanding the behaviour or the contributing factors that might have got you to that point. Certainly in my own, when I was diagnosed with depression, I was like, well, I need to, I need to retract my step, retrace my steps and figure out what I was doing wrong so that when I move forward, I don't make those missteps again. Yeah, um, my husband has um, chronic depression and... I, I don't. I've not experienced it. In, I've experienced some levels of, of minimal anxiety in, in comparison to some people's anxiety. Mm. Uh, but from depression for him, personally, it has nothing to do with any logical reason whatsoever. Mm. And I think this is where we, we look at and we tend to think, well, if I experience it in this way, 
other people experience it the same way too and whether that's the imposter chatter the imposter phenomenon whether it's anxiety or whether it's depression we we again project our own experiences onto other people Mm. and it might have nothing logical about it there might not be a shred of imposter connection with levels of anxiety or depression for for some people but for others the research does show that there are links Mm. um I just want to go back to the employer situation again mm-hmm. uh, and talking about kindness. What, um, in the sense of, other than being kind, what else can an employer do to help manage their team or their staff if they think that imposter phenomenon is something that people are experiencing? So one of the things that can be quite challenging <laughs> from an imposter's perspective, and I use that low word in inverted commas mm. too, is that we, we get stressed when it comes to the reviews. We get stressed when it comes to annual reviews right. in particular. So the, finding a um, performance management more regularly would be one thing mm-hmm. from a, uh, an employer's perspective. So don't do your annual reviews do them on a, a regular basis. So mm. even if they're not fully documented, having touch-ins with people, giving people that regular feedback is important. Mm. Giving people also very clear objectives, very clear ways in which you you know if you've done a good understand what the actual measurements okay, are. Okay, I'm going to have to ask um, you to repeat that. I lost you for oh, about six seconds. Oh, sorry. Right. Let let me me repeat that back. So giving people very clear objectives, understanding what those measurements are can help people understand the imposter chatter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sorry, can help people overcome the imposter chatter. Mm -hmm. So when you know how good a good enough job is, that's really important. Um, and the other thing is, and, and this, I think there's a, there's a question that you're wanting to ask, but I've, I've also got to bring it in here, I think, at this point, is about don't tell people how amazing they are. Don't tell people, oh, what, you're the best in my team, you're absolutely amazing, you know, surely you can't be experiencing this. Mm. Um, telling somebody how amazing they are is actually detrimental if they're experiencing the imposter phenomenon. Mm. Tell them why they are right. amazing is important. right. So in terms of beating it, uh, this particular report called out five things. So I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind um, explaining these particular five strategies. So the first one is to call it out. Yeah. So what does that mean? What does that look like? That looks like a gentle inquiry when someone has a flicker across their face or a lack of eye contact or oh it wasn't me that's the calling it out that's the gentle inquiry into tell me what's going on behind that Mm. yeah and then there's also getting a mentor yes so having somebody that is helping you be objective about yourself and it's slightly different from a coach um coaches can help and support too but mentors can also talk through their own personal experiences so that's that way you understand that somebody who's been there and done that has also experienced some of this thought process along the way right so that's where coaching and mentoring differ differ Coaches are really helpful and supportive, but mentors often can talk about their own personal experiences in the mentoring field as well. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, say that again. Coaches tend to be more hands hands off from that personal experience sharing. Yes, whenever I think of mentoring, I think about being taken under a wing, whereas with coaching, I think being schooled, which is obviously (laughs) slightly different. Um, And then you've covered it, but another way to beat imposter phenomenon is listing your achievements. Yeah, yeah. And when you do that list, an achievement is an achievement to you. It doesn't have to be big in anyone else's eyes. That's Mm. another important part of it. You know, you you might have done a presentation that was fantastic at a particular um, event. And that for everybody else is what what your normal day job is, is to do presentations at events. But Mm. for you that means something Mm. um so an achievement is whatever however big or however small it is in your eyes and noticing then how you think about it so don't go oh that was an achievement but coming back to this feedback thing but i only managed it because i uh, prepped really 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 hard actually that was an achievement because i'm good at standing on my feet and fielding questions for instance ah 
That's making me, I will make this personal for a second. I hosted a live podcast recently and Elizabeth Hurley was on the panel. And I can't really remember it. You know that feeling where it all happens. And then my very good friend who's been on the show, Nadine Baggett, said to me afterwards, you were flawless. You do realise you did a great job. And I, my response to her was, I'll probably figure that out in a few months. <laughs> <laughs> And it is, it's that bit about, oh, but you're so in the moment of doing what you're doing. We don't often reflect on the skills that we bring to that. Right. And it's actually that part about reflecting on the skills that you bring to that becomes important. So, yeah, the listing of achievements, it's not just the fact that you hosted that great that, that, that event Elizabeth Hurley was on the panel. It's the fact that actually you're bringing your knowledge, skills and abilities of hosting over the years mm. of being able to field questions, being able to draw threads and conclusions together. Mm. And I, I like that. I'm, I'm weaving my hands around at the moment. And, and that aspect of weaving things together and picking up on what people have said and bringing it back in later on is a lot of what I do in the facilitation work that I do. Mm. And it's actually understanding that that's a skill. And we sometimes think, well, actually, I can bake a cake and it comes out and I don't need to look at the recipe. It just always comes out great. Well, that's also a skill. Yeah. You know, we, we need to think about um, what skills we have. We really do. And actually, it's also made me think, and I always repeat this particular example because I think it's genius. Jo Fairley has been on this podcast. She's a colleague. She's a beauty writer. She's been a, a beauty editor and journalist for years. And she also founded Green and Black's Chocolate. And when she came on the podcast, um, she said, you know, if someone comes to me and says, um, how long will it write you, uh, take you to write a beauty feature? She'll say an afternoon and 30 years because she's got 30 years experience. And that's why she can bang out a beauty feature in an afternoon. That's a brilliant answer. Yes, yeah, it? it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fourth thing in how to beat the imposter phenomenon is changing your language and vocabulary. Mm, mm. yes it's really listening to this and, and a, a very quick personal story for, for me as well I used to phone my my mum and dad up when I was in my you know going to college and uh, into my 20s I used to go hi it's only me uh, what's that telling me about myself when I ask when I start a conversation like that so I've recognized that language of only me um I'm just a mm. and actually starting to go no and dismiss that and say hi it's Kate <laughs> so, yeah. tiny things that can actually subtly undermine ourselves so that's a bit about changing the language and recognizing to say I am good at not I think I'm good at and not other people tell me I'm good at it's actually making the clear statements mm. it's yeah it's like turning it's um what am I trying to say you know like a balance on audio left speaker right speaker it's about finding that balance in the middle isn't it yeah um yes. yeah because what i want to do is going hey do you know what i'm fantastic you know, it's, it's not about boasting and when you talk about balance i also use this use a seesaw in, in many different workshops but having courage courage to speak up courage to own yourself courage to be who you want to be but also have some consideration on the other side have some consideration about how that impacts other people and that balance i think is a, a really nice one to to get right mm. as best and then um the final one is to assess your expectations what does that look like Kate? well sometimes we think that perfect again coming back this perfection is required does it really need to be perfect and what does perfect look like and assessing expectations it's it's along the lines of um if i'm let's take a report if i'm producing a report and I can spend hours changing a paragraph around, should it go in this in this phraseology, should it change to that? I could equally spend another amount of time making sure that all of my uh, paragraphs have a single space in between them um, and no other double spaces anywhere else that shouldn't be there. Uh, all of the headings have the exact same type fonts and sizing. Does it really matter in the end of scheme of things? Sometimes we need to let drafts out there. We need to let people see our, our workings mm. out to find out whether or not the good enough is okay. Mm. And so it's this, as, assessing that expectation. Of, if we think as an imposter, the imposter chatter often says we've got to do something to 100%. If we pull it back and did it to our 80%, the chances are it's somebody else's my husband terms himself as a signed up member of the just good enough club mm. if i pull back to my 80 percent, it absolutely hits his good enough so 
it's where does it really matter mm. and there are certain jobs and certain roles within certain jobs that things absolutely have to be done to the best of your ability with 100% attention and mm. energy at all times but at other times you can pull back so it's working out where that matters and the expectations and we can't do everything all of the time mm. Again, coming back to the, the aspect of some of the folks listening will, will be parents too. You can't be that fantastic parent, that fantastic person at work, that fantastic person in the community, that brilliant friend, the, the, the son or daughter that you'd love to be and put all of your energies into all of that because nothing's left for you. Mm. And we've got to assess those expectations as well as to where we want to and choose to spend our time and energy. And choosing to pull back on something doesn't mean you're dismissing it or uh, thinking of it en- any less or sort of treating it negatively. It's just a, this is going to get 70% at the moment because ultimately yeah. I need those resources elsewhere. And, and that's one of the things we haven't touched on is this view of failure. And, and it's, it's not, a, oh my goodness, I'm a failure because I've, I've brought a takeaway today or a ready meal or, oh my goodness, I'm a failure because I can't keep my house clean. I've had to get a cleaner. Mm. You know, it, it's, it's those um, actually, that's my way of helping and supporting myself is, is how we need to reframe it. And, and failures, when I did my research for my master's in positive psychology, I loved the way that the people I was researching with termed failure. And I researched entrepreneurial self-efficacy and the imposter phenomenon with 12 different entrepreneurs, six men, six women. Mm. And they came up with a phrase that out of out of all 12 10 of them had this thread running through and it was failures are things that didn't work Hmm. that's it learn from it move on and and in somebody who's experiencing the imposter phenomenon if they've got these high expectations and they fail to meet those high expectations then they then crowd themselves with all this internal chatter about being a failure but actually if you fail to meet the high expectations were the expectations too high in the first place Mm. was it just something that didn't work you can learn from it and move on one of the best pieces it's interesting you talk about that research one of the best pieces of business advice i've ever received is never take never take business advice from someone who hasn't failed (laughs) yes actually because what experience do you really have before you've known this success and we've all failed at things. That's the other thing. We ought to have more conversations. And we ought to not have failure conversations. We ought to have learning conversations. Yes. If you come back to space as well, at the workplace and how you can support people, we, we ought to have more conversations about what have I learned mm. this week? You know, what went wrong, but what have I learned from it um, rather than what have I failed at? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That that's something that's so important. I think about my sort of first year working on magazines, completely clueless, and I did things. I made what you would say were such big mistakes, but I never made them again because they were key learnings. Mm. Mm. And and that's how anybody learns really effectively. We learn from the mistakes. If you get it right first time, it's really quite hard to reflect on how did that happen. Mm. Um, do, how does failure, in a broader sense, in imposter phenomenon? Can it trigger it? Yes. Um, so it's, it comes back to that high expectations. Yeah. So absolutely. You're thinking about a failure put out there, uh, particularly, I guess, there's, there's, there's the aspect of being in the public eye in some way, shape or form, whether that's actual celebrity type public eye or whether it's um, other people at work know about it mm. um, or, you know, your friends happen to hear that such and such happened and it wasn't what you'd expected to to occur so yes it can and what happens and there is a difference between um men and women from a research perspective is that in social psychology men tend to externalize failure and internalize success so by that i mean they tend to put the failure down to something external ah well it wasn't the right place it wasn't the right time or it was that particular thing that didn't go because Mm. And the successes are, yes, I can, I mm. have. Women tend to do it the other way around. They tend to put the successes down to something external and the failures down to something internal. Fascinating. So we need to just get better at looking at there's a mix of both. Yeah. You know, of course we've got a view and, and we, we say, you know, luck has a part to play, hard work has a part to play in successes. Mm. But putting a success down solely to luck or solely to hard work is complete nonsense we bring in our own knowledge skills and abilities like you mentioned with the the 
the person was it joe that you mentioned has 30 years experience yeah. being able to write a, uh, an article in an afternoon and being able to recognize that becomes important mm. it's so fascinating and it, i know we've only got a few more minutes together so i do want to just quickly um cover some of the questions that came into the facebook group so i'm scrab scrabbling around because some of the uh, some of them we have already answered um and i don't want to be too repetitive um I am, somebody wrote a really interesting question, which is how do I support somebody who I believe is going through it? And mm. this is not in the workplace. Right, and, and it's, it's not about telling them that they're amazing. Mm. That's, that's the key thing that we've already mentioned. Yeah. It's about, it's, it generally, genuinely listen to them. So unpick, help them unpick their experiences of it. So if they're, if they're experiencing it, it's outside the workplace, listen would be the first thing mm. but don't validate it and don't contradict it mm. but help them find their own evidence of what they've done well so rather than say oh well you were fantastic at this it's actually just ask a few questions about when did you find that actually it wasn't there when were you good at something that you didn't experience the imposter in what happened then mm. what was different between that and now so do do gentle questioning and and strong listening oh gentle listening sorry yeah gentle sorry gentle <laughs> questioning and strong listening sorry i had such a reaction to that like i can even say it back to you um that's incredible i love that um one of the other questions is i was going to ask um is it associated with childhood experience or one's personality type now there is one uh, one big the big factor five model has got some link so personality type has been linked in some way to the imposter but i don't think it's a type there's 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 an element of state versus trait more often it's a state that we're in rather than a trait that we have mm -hmm. um so the question there if you can just remind me was it linked is it linked to a personality type or is it linked to one's upbringing did you say it was both is it linked to yeah. uh childhood experience and or yeah. one's personality type yeah so yes to both in some ways but minimal i think more on the the personality types if mm -hmm. we're talking about personality types but certainly states that we're in at that particular point in time another listener has commented um i've recently read about how common it is when returning to work after mat leave um she'll she'll soon be in that position and would love some further insight on this and how it might be overcome Oh, Emma, that comes also back to this, what, what language are we using? Mm. I mean, how I mean, how derogatory are we sometimes to ourselves and say, I haven't experienced this, but I've definitely heard friends say, it's like, oh, I've got baby brain. Mm. It's like, what? That doesn't help. However, whether it's factually or, or not correct, it's it's this piece about how we talk about ourselves um, mm. can can be, oh, well, I've... I've, I've um, I've had a, had a baby, therefore I'm not firing on all cylinders. Now, sleep deprivation is something that really does impact anybody's ability to function well. And of course, if you've got small children, that is absolutely going to be one of the things you experience. So that point about what can you do to be kinder to yourself and recognize that you're stepping back in, but you're not stepping back in with no knowledge of the past however long your mat leave's been six months 12 months whatever or or just a few weeks um you're stepping back in having learned more about how to juggle things mm -hmm. and recognizing the skills that you're actually picking up as a new mum as well mm -hmm. i'm not sure if that's that helpful but because uh, i haven't got the personal experience of doing it but i think we need to talk ourselves up more rather than down more um, as somebody who's worked with friends who have come back from maternity leave, they are they are machines. I have so much respect when they come back because they're like, I ain't playing. I'm not staying a second later than I need to. And they are so much more efficient. So I just think give yourself to, to this listener. I would just say I think you'll be fine because all of the women I've ever worked with who've come back from mat leave are like are honestly incredible. And the way they juggle things makes me feel very guilty about all the time I spend watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, <laughs> and the other, key, sorry, the other key part on that, though, is also to let go of the guilt. Because mm. guilt that you're not spending the time at work, guilt that you're not spending the time at home with your children. You know, we that's one of the key things I've heard somebody speak about. It really impacted on their own personal mental health when they became a new mum. She's very successful within a corporate organisation. Um, but she realised how guilty she was in all situations of life. And we need to be kinder to ourselves and let go of that guilt. 
Another really interesting question, actually, was how do you ask for help? And although I think we've um, covered some of this, I think it, it's the second part of this question that's really interesting. She says, sometimes I need help, but it feels like an admission of incompetence. Ah, yes. Um, now, it's some, we need to be vulnerable. We need to be okay at asking for help. But it's not, can you do it for me? This is a different type mm. of help. So we need to be careful about how we do that asking for help. Um, so perhaps it's, if I'm thinking about a situation, can you ask for help? It's it, Be specific about the help that you're asking for. So right. whether it's time that you need or whether it is skills that you want to develop, but know what type of help you're asking for. If it's just support, I just need you to hear me out and ask for psychological support. You know, just be specific about the type of help you're asking for mm. and know it is okay to ask for help because others like to give it. Yeah, I think that's really important. That's a really brilliant observation. And then also, uh, before we draw to a close, also, why is it that we are so much more likely to dwell on the negative than the positive? I can recount various times in my working life where I could have done better, especially those times where I've been told as much by colleagues, bosses, clients. It's always those that come to the forefront of my mind and not the numerous occasions I've done great work or recognition I've received for that. Oh, there's a whole field in positive psychology and a paper that I came across which is called Bad is Stronger Than Good. You know, why is it that there's a strength of information wealth of, of stuff out there that says this is human nature it really is just human nature mm. to dwell on it which becomes why it's so important to collect the good collect the good why, yeah why it's so important to keep the evidence of what does go well because we will have our memories ping back quite happily to something that didn't go well but try and get it to find something that did it gets more of a struggle so keep keep collecting the evidence in some way whether it's on an email file whether it's an actual notebook but collect the evidence of the good mm. now um you are because we have come to the end of our time together you are um someone that people can find because i'm sure that uh, many listeners will want to do some further reading so where can people find you um in order to see your other videos and uh, you're writing a book is that right well, <laughs> um, in amongst the PhD, I'm, I've got the idea of penning another book. I've written two, and that was before I came across the imposter phenomenon. So there is one called The Confident Manager, but I'd love to write a sequel to The Confident Manager, which is the one about where he meets the imposter phenomenon. And you can easily find me on the web, so Kate Atkin, A-T-K-I-N.com, and that's Kate spelt with a K, so K-A-T-E. ATKIN.com um, or just Google Kate Atkin and I do tend to pop up quite highly. <laughs> um, and I will put, obviously I'll put that link in the show notes and I'll put the link to your books and I will just make sure that everyone can um, access you because I think it, it has been such a delight to speak to you and I'm so glad to have really unpicked this subject with you and thank it's, you so much for being kind and gentle in your explanation <laughs> of it Kate. It's been a real pleasure to have this discussion with you Emma, thank you for inviting me on mm. and I wish all of the listeners really well with understanding and unpicking their own imposter challenge too and supporting others thanks emma so what did you think of that episode with kate atkin i have to be honest one of my major takeaways from it was kindness 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 and understanding imposter syndrome not only within yourself but how to and sorry i've made the same mistake imposter phenomenon not only within yourself but also how to spot it in someone else so you can help them and how kindness really is at the root of that and I think it can be very easy to get caught up in, I don't want to look a fool, I'm worried about what people think of me. But actually, it's that thing, isn't it? Sometimes it's nice to put the ladder down for someone else or, you know, just help someone else. And it seems that from what Kate was saying, that's so important. If you see it in somebody, help. Uh, try, to t try to tell that person that they aren't an imposter. I also thought the different ways that men and women interpret success and failure versus internalizing and externalizing was really interesting. And I think um, really answered that question and that observation that a lot of you are interested in the Facebook group about is imposter phenomenon something that only affects women? I think it's proven that actually sort of, but no, but sort of a little bit just because of how we process our successes and our failures. And also, I do think there were some really useful strategies like the journaling and reframing your vocabulary that can be applied pretty quickly 
I would love to take this discussion a little a little further with you in the Facebook group. What do you say? I will publish this um, a link to this episode in there and let's have a chat under that particular post. If you want to join the Facebook group, it's so easy. Just click the link in the show notes. You have to answer three questions and also agree to the forum rules. And then once you're once you've done all of that, you'll be welcomed in. And there's so much conversation going on about this podcast and many, many others. And there are thousands of other listeners of the show who are contributing in what I have to say is the best of social media. Nice, friendly banter, lovely conversation. And it's really, really helpful. I'm delighted to have created such a lovely group with lovely people in it. The link to join the group is in the show notes. Now that can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. And that's also the place where you might be able to find the opportunity to leave a five-star review. That means clicking those five stars or potentially, and I wouldn't be angry at you if you did, um, writing a couple of sentences about what you like about the show, be it this episode or the show as a whole. And I would be so grateful if you did because it's the kind of thing that helps a podcast like mine with me like Rodney Jerkins on my computer trying to use a <laughs> audio software to sort out my levels. It helps a podcast like mine stand out on the hugely crowded po- podcast platforms that you are probably using. Now, finally, if you want to get in touch with me, it couldn't be easier. Why not email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or you can slide into my DMs on social media. I'm at Emma Guns on Twitter and at Emma Guns on Instagram. And it's where I do a lot of chatting with you. I'm happy for everyone to have a chat in the Facebook group, but if you want to speak to me directly, email me, thebeautypodcast.gmail.com or slide into my DMs at Emma Guns on Instagram and Twitter. It's been a pleasure to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you on the next one. <laughs>